As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Three, two, one, zero. Hello, welcome to... Episode 104, Hike Tadevorsian. Hey Chainers, welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien. And I'm Katie Walsh. So Katie, today we have an awesome guest. I absolutely loved his story and how he had no agenda. He's just trying to share his expertise and experience with everyone and really educate people. Yeah, and he really had a great holistic view of, of life and how to achieve your goals. He broke it down from, you know, being focused on your health and your fitness and, you know, really having like a clear mind as well as also having a clear goal and set path for your finances. Yeah, and what I really appreciated as well is that he really looks to maintain a sense of balance in his life. And he sort of feels that if you don't get enough of one aspect of the four different pillars, and you'll hear about that later, that you're not really complete as such. And I really can appreciate that. You know, like life is about balance. And, you know, we speak to so many people out there that are one extreme or the next. And one of their biggest regrets is normally that they have compromised on something that means something to them, like family, if they work too hard. Yeah. And I think that's something that everybody probably struggles with a little bit. Everybody gets a little bit laser focused on one aspect of their life over another and you really get the most happiness when it's a level playing field you're working and you're able to spend time with family and you're able to relax and you're you also feel like you're getting ahead 
Yeah, 100% agree with you. So trainers, before we dive right into our interview, we would love if you would join us on Facebook. Head on over to chainofwealth.com slash group. There you'll be able to join a group of like-minded people that are looking to achieve financial greatness. All right, Katie. So are you ready to dive right into today's interview? Yeah, let's talk to him. Awesome. Let's do it. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom. Chainers, we've got Haik Tadevosian with us, and he's a serial entrepreneur, passionate about serving the community and inspiring others to reach their goals and aspirations. Haik has successfully coached and developed many business owners, aspirants, and team members on replicable systems and a process of entrepreneurship and personal success. Welcome. Hello, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you today? Great, great. It's glad to be on your show. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. So real quick, uh, we kind of like to start off interviews a little bit with like a fun icebreaker question. So I don't know how your morning, Monday morning went today. So the first month, well, actually it's Tuesday. It's essentially Monday. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's after the long Labor Day weekend. And I don't know how your morning went, but I like overslept and didn't eat breakfast. But what did Um, you eat for breakfast this morning? You know, I've got a boring answer for you. I don't eat breakfast. What? Terrible thing for me to say. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I, um, I tend to, I eat late. So, and I'm a big believer in intermediate fasting. So I try to find times where it's most convenient for me to keep my belly empty for about 15 hours. Okay. So my last meal is about 9 PM. I get some carbs in my system. I, uh, start off my day early in the morning with, um, give or take shy of maybe 10 miles worth of running, depending on what I'm prepping for, whether it's a half marathon or a Spartan race or a marathon. So, um, it keeps my belly uh, somewhat full from carbs from uh, the night before. And I get to be hungry for 15 hours until lunch, which is 12 o'clock. It really helps me, uh, get more discipline. So I feel like if you can kind of starve, uh, and discipline yourself to avoid food for 15 hours, you can discipline yourself to do a lot of other things. So I, I try to start my day off with at least that one discipline. That's really intense. So quick, quick question on intermediate fasting. So that's actually really common lately. Yeah. Like, um, are, are you allowed to like drink stuff? Like coffee uh, as an w- example? Water. Water, <laughs> Lots okay. of water. And during exercise, I do take BCAA amino acids. Right. So it's just a powder that I mix in water. It's like a, you know, it's yellow, uh, Pretty much, it looks like I'm I'm drinking urine, but I'm, I, I drink uh, one of those during my workout, and then um, I'll have one more uh, full. It's a liter of water after the exercise as well. So I'm like really intrigued now. So are you like hangry by lunchtime? Like, is it kind of just like get out of my way, don't talk to me until I eat something? Or are you kind of you know like the, okay? The hangry word. I try to not just to be hungry. But I, th- th- there's people who can actually be angry if they're not used to being angry for too long. It's, it's almost like the fear of the discomfort of something that you're not used to. Right. But I think after a while you get comfortable. And when you teach your body how good it is for you, you actually be happy. I'm, I'm proud when I'm hungry. And I really believe that your, our stomachs are not built to be full at all times. We should be hungry a little bit. We shouldn't always be full. Uh, it gives our, gives us, you know, our, our, our uh, body. Uh, time and a little bit more energy to break down certain fats and calories. And uh, it's been working in my favor. I've been following the diet for about three years and I don't want to call it a diet. It's a lifestyle. 
And um, I've dropped 45 pounds. I'm in the best shape of my life. This is the oldest I've been, but also the healthiest. I've wow. got two kids and I'm, I want to lead by example. So I got my entire staff to running marathons. And I realized influence is very easy when you show and not tell. So uh, to me, when I'm, you know, hungry and as, as soon as I want to get a little angry with it, I realize I should be happy because it's, it's building up to other things. I'm influencing other people. Uh, it, it makes me feel good about myself. And also I've been the healthiest. So um, if there's another word for uh, hungry and happy, then that's the word I'm looking for. Wow. I really admire you because I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, when I get really hungry, I never think about being happy. <laughs> well, maybe in the evenings, that's how I am. But in the mornings, I try to stick to this routine. Yeah. Well, and I have battled with it because I recently kind of, well, I've recently gone back to teaching and I wake up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm not hungry first thing in the morning. I start to get hungry around like, 9 30 10 o'clock and it's too late for me like now i have to wait it out until lunchtime and it's it, different metabolism are different I, yeah. I have a slow metabolism so I, I can i can start for a long time and i'll be okay my wife if she doesn't eat for three four hours she's hungry yeah i think it depends on your mood too some days yep. i just eat yep. more well i agree <laughs> <laughs> so you immigrated to the united states in july of 2001 i know it was quite a while ago but at that time, you had to learn a new language and a completely different culture. Could you take us back to those early days and sort of speak about the beginning in your move? Yeah, and, and to be honest, um, that was the second time I kind of relived through that um, post-traumatic stress disorder moment in my life where I had to re relearn a new culture. When I was actually, I was born in Armenia, and when I turned seven, my family moved to Russia. So I had to uh, learn a language and a culture and fit in from scratch. And I remember being the... Uh, brown kid, black hair, sitting in the classroom in Russia, and all the kids were lighter skin. They had uh, lighter hair, lighter eyes, and I was always that black sheep in the class. So I've, I got kind of used to being made fun of and not fit in. And the whole, I think the whole journey of childhood is to fit in, right? So I never had that. So growing up, I developed this thing where I, I really wanted people to like me. And I remember when I turned 10, I finally started fitting in with the Russian kids, started speaking Russian. I had gotten rid of my accent. And my, my family announces now we're moving back to Armenia. And at that time, I'd forgotten Armenian. So I go do the same thing again. I'm relearning Armenian, remaking Armenian friends. And when I turned 13, uh, my father came to me and said, you know what, son? Uh, things are not going so well here. Uh, a lot of people are going to America. There's this American dream thing where you can go there. You can work hard. You can make a lot of money. You can get a house and a car. And you can retire one day. And so we, uh, he had a visa for himself plus one. And I, I drew the short straw because I'm the older son. I had a younger brother and older sister at the time. So he brought me to the United States and I had to relive the same thing of adapting and learning over and over again. It was one of those punches to the face when you realize, stop feeling sorry for yourself and just get strong. So I got very strong very early. At age 13, I already learned how to pay bills. I learned how to speak uh, English. I would try to memorize words out of the dictionary just so I can fit in with the kids um, as you can imagine, my father couldn't find work the first several years. So we moved a lot. I went to like eight different high schools and in, in uh, eight different schools in like two years. Um, so with that being said, I became very quick and good to learn, um, uh, how to adapt and how to make quick friends. Uh, it was very difficult. Um, and I think to this day I, I suffer with some kind of a PTSD. I, I don't enjoy being lost too much. I don't like traveling as much as most people do. Um, I don't like new places as much, but I think a lot of it has to tie to my childhood because we moved too many times. Um, but I'm also a big believer, you know what? No pain, no gain. I, I became very, uh, wh wh who I am today as a result of my past. I think that's really interesting how you say you drew the short straw and had to come to America because, well, 
Dennis, so you're an immigrant, and you hear all the time about, I want to go to America, and if only I could get to America, and people worked so hard to come, and you had a completely different like uh, outlook for it. Yeah, well, to me, it was different just because I finally started fitting in with the Armenian kids. Last thing I wanted to do is move again, right? right. But thinking now, it's the best thing that ever happened to me because the American dream is very true. And in mm-hmm. my country, you can be the hardest worker, smartest person, you can have a PhD in five different categories of you know knowledge, but you're not going to be successful. Hard work doesn't get you places in many countries out there. Yeah, including Armenia. Uh, you have to have connections there. You have to know, you know, certain people in certain places. Here, um, we were lucky to come and, and hard work and dedication, pay your taxes and, you know, don't do, go, don't go against God's and man's laws and you can really get places here. And uh, America really did deliver every bit of American dream. I have lots of freedom. I have no issues with money. I have great health. I have great family and great friends. And that those are some of the things that what the American dream talks about. But one thing people don't realize they do not take into consideration how much hard work it involves. People think you just come here and it happens. But no, this is the hardest working country in the world for a reason. We have the highest middle class of hard workers in the entire world for a reason. That's what keeps the economy so stable. And that's why everybody wants to come here because you have a very high chance of getting in that category of people. Yeah, and that definitely makes sense. So talking about what you do on sort of a day-to-day basis, you're a real estate investor and you also run an insurance agency so what would you say is important to you when we talk about having multiple sources of income? Um, one of my good mentors, uh, this is a long time ago, I got involved with um, Amway. Uh, and you know, one thing I really appreciate Amway when I was a younger kid, uh, they taught a lot of valuable lessons, even though I never made money in the business. Um, I was always taught that you want to have three, kind of, three sorts of income if you want to be considered wealthy. And it was passive, it was residual, and it was hard income. Um, when I was getting into the insurance business, well, I'm like, I need to solve my, uh, this equation of, of uh, residual income. So, and everybody talks about insurance business as the residual income game. So, uh, age 21, I was actually one of the youngest state, um, agents for my company. Um, it is a really long story. If you guys want, I can share, but it's, it's in my book. I talk about it a lot. Sure. Um, yeah. I got, I got into, um, uh, when I was 18 years old, as you can imagine, between 13 and 18, I've had every possible job you can imagine. Um, I I've done, you know, pizzerias, I was delivering packets to people, cell phone sales, car sales, construction. My father still owns a construction business. I've been running that for a long time for him as well. Um, anything to make a buck because our family did not join us. We left my brother and my mom and my sister to in Armenia. That took him seven years to come to U.S. because it uh, the, the whole visa... A green card thing takes forever. Plus, it needs you require to have a lot of money to hire attorneys. We couldn't afford a good one at the beginning. So, in those seven years, I really learned how to do pretty much anything: uh, cooking, cleaning, houses, and you name it. Um, when I turned 19, I got exposed to the insurance business because of the uh, girlfriend at the time. Her father was in the business as well. He's like, "Why don't you get in the business? You learn. One day you can open up a business." And a freedom insurance business brings if you do really well for the four or five years, you can replicate yourself in a business. You can replace yourself in a business, and it can run on its own. And that will be a residual income. And definition: uh, He told me what a residual income was is clients that are paying you residual money every month, and all you have to do is maintain those customers via staff in the office, right? So I got into it early on. I worked for uh, an agent for three to three years. Uh, at age 21, I approached him and I said, you know what? I think I can do this. Um, I need to go open up my own agency. A lot of people at the corporate were skeptical because nobody's done it at my age. Uh, they throw me in front of corporate. They maybe build a business plan. If you ever seen that movie, Pursuit of Happiness, mm-hmm. 
with Will Smith. Yeah. Um, our internship was very similar. It was a uh, nine month long internship where every three months they do skill checks. Uh, out of 500 people, they pick like a few candidates for the internship. We had 10 people in our intern group. Out of 10, five didn't even make it to eight months. Out of five, about three of us are still around. And that's kind of how, you know, they would, they would look for reasons to pretty much let you go. And uh, I got through the entire internship. I opened up my office in September of 2010. And September 1st was my eight year anniversary. And um, I'm actually working on a second book where I'm going to be calling the second book the five-year business rule. And uh, my role in the business, and I've done a lot of speaking about it, is first couple of years, you work your butt off. If you fail, it's your own fault. That's why nine out of 10 businesses don't make it first year because they don't work hard enough. Uh, half of those businesses don't make it past year three. The reason is because they don't hire enough staff. And half of those businesses don't make it past year five because they don't replicate themselves. So I talk about that formula a lot just because that's exactly what I did unintentionally. One day somebody asked me to write an article about how I uh, went from working 12 hour days to now I'm working like 20 hours a week, if that. Uh, I wrote it down and really made sense. The formula is work hard first two years, hire a team by year three, four, year five, replicate yourself and walk away and start you know, building real estate and also working on other sources of income. And right currently I'm, uh, my uh, hard income is going to be the book business. And I just, um, we'll talk more about that, I guess. I'm, I'm sure you have a few questions about the book. Yeah, definitely. So when you look back and think of all of your work that you've done, what would you have done differently? Surely along the way, somewhere you made a mistake and kind of kicked yourself in the learning process. Yeah. <laughs> Who hasn't? Who hasn't, right? Right? <laughs> um, to be honest, I... With so much adversity growing up, I learned to look at adversity as a good thing. And I started looking for opportunities because I, you know, even investment world, right? You want to invest when the stock market's down. You want to buy shares when they're on, on sale, right? You want to buy real estate when nobody's buying. You want to buy businesses when people are selling and they need cash, immediate cash, right? Um, I think when you hit rock bottom in life, you tend to learn the most and that's when you make some of your best decisions. And I can't tell you how many people I know who made a vast amount of wealth because they either hit rock bottom in their life personally, or they started doing certain kind of investment during times where everybody else was pulling out. So I, I, I changed my view on adversity. None of us are immune to it, first of all. Right. But I think it's, it's painful because uh, the definition of failure is you expect something and it does not go your way. You're expecting a gain. Yeah, you can definitely gain. But when you fail, you take it much more personally and it molds you into a better person. And I really believe that pain is a teacher and we should lean towards teachers, not avoid them. Can I do a lot of things differently? Go back? Yeah. But at the same time, if I live in the past, I'm going to be just messing up my present. That's too much regret to think about. Um, I look at every possibility to grow and I think a lot of our mistakes we make, we should, we should avoid them. We should learn from them and move on. Uh, but we shouldn't try to go back and think about it too much because that's just messing up where we're going. Yeah. It's just like waste of energy. Coulda, woulda, yeah, shoulda. Big time. Yeah. yeah uh, I'm afraid like a lot of people as well just live in the past, you know, and ultimately there's nothing you can do about it. You can't change what happened and you can always say, oh, well, I, I should have done this. But at the end of the day, like hindsight is twenty twenty. There's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is take what you've learned and apply it going forward. And that's mm -hmm. really where you do the most amount of learning is where you're actually able to step back and like analyze and say, all right, going forward, how am I going to make it better? What am I going to do mm -hmm. differently? True. And Dennis, where are you from? Your dialect. Is it British? I'm from South Africa. <laughs> oh, South Africa. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I would never guess. No, yeah, everybody, guess. it always goes British, Australian, and then they get like a puzzled look on their face. 
you, that's you actually, funny. You actually like lucky. It. You actually got off quite light. Normally, I tell people I'm from South Carolina. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. You can say that you're on the East Coast. So. <laughs> exactly. Well, before he would say that, and I don't think he actually really knew where South Carolina was. No. So I now, didn't now you know where it is. So now you can say. Yeah. It. Now it makes sense. <laughs> nice for sure. So let's chat a bit about your book, Mind Control. So what's it about? And you know, give us a, a two-minute elevator pitch. Yeah, yeah. So the um, the full title is Mind Control: uh, Fourteen Principles of Achieving the American Dream. And then the sub subtitle is uh, Why Most Successful People Feel Unfulfilled and What to Do About It. It began as me writing. Um, I have a lot ADHD. If there's another level of ADHD, I have that. Um, one day I decided to run a marathon. This was about two and a half years ago. I gained some weight because with the uh, birth of my first, well, pregnancy of our first boy, David, uh, I gained every pound with my wife. I was a supportive husband. She gained a pound, so did I, right? Good man. So yeah, I'm sure I, she I, was I, very happy with you. She she lost it all and I kept it all. So I said, you know what? Enough is enough. I mean, what am I trying to prove by working all these hours? So I, I cut down my hours. I started working on my fitness. And during my fitness, I think a lot of our creative energy works during exercise specifically i think cardio just because you keep your heart rate at a certain level there's a amount of serotonin and endorphins flowing through your veins and your brain you get more at least i get my most creative uh thinking when i'm doing exercise um i said you know what uh, when i'm on a stairmaster elliptical i can just maybe write i don't have to just stare into a i don't have to listen to audiobook all the time right so i started writing a, a, a diary a diary turned into 100 pages and it turned into 200 pages. And then I noticed I have 300 pages of content after about four months of writing. I sat down I early in the mornings and I started editing it, editing it. And then uh, one day I approached one of my favorite podcast stations uh, owners. His name is Michael Sandler. He has a podcast station called Inspired Nation. He interviews bestsellers and talks about their books. That's how I find a lot of my good books through his podcast. Hmm. Uh, I, I hired him to do my first edit, editing phase of my book and he came back with good feedbacks. And then of course paid him some money for it and he brought me back a good product. He's written a bestseller before. And after that, I ended up hiring another editor to do some wordsmithing because he did the structural editing. And then um, an editor in New York did the wordsmithing and putting things together. Then I have this 250 page pretty much finished book. And now I have a publishing company uh, working to get everything finalized with the ebook, audiobook to get that into Amazon. Um, but the book itself essentially talks about my journey of what I think success is because I know people who make 10 times more money than me, but they're not happier. I know people who are 10 times faster than me at the marathon, but they're not happier. I know people with more friends. I know people with more children and it is, does not seem like they're content with life. As soon as I figured out what that balance was and the balance in this book talks about the four F's family, fitness, finances, and friendship, 25% of each will give you success fulfillment, contentment, more money does not mean more happy. More time with family does not mean more happy, even though you need it, but you need to balance it out. And balance was the key when I, when I became the happiest person I've ever been in my life. Well, that's, that's really inspirational and something like, I know Katie like loves that kind of stuff. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I was just thinking about that. Establishing that life balance is very hard. And I know at least Dennis and I kind of struggle with it. Some days we work on chain of wealth all day long. And then other days, like we don't touch it at all. And it's either like 100% or nothing. And I think first step is to give yourself a pay cut. I had to give myself a six figure pay cut. So I I had to be okay with not making that extra hundred thousand (laughs) dollars. in order to have the freedom to do everything else. And that's when I, I, you know, even though don't get me wrong, 
anybody would want extra hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. But at the same time, uh, to me, it's not about that. I still, my money's still good. What does that extra money mean? That means no time for family, no time for health, no time for friends, just work. Mm-hmm. I wasn't okay with that. And it's your life is too short to just work all the time. You have to have that balance. You're absolutely, no, absolutely. right. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best principles that I really enjoy is you only have a limited amount of life energy and you can trade that life energy for money, but once it's traded, you can't get it back. And it's up to you to decide how much of that energy you want to trade for money. And, you know, it's like you say, trying to find that balance in life. And just because you're richer doesn't mean you're going to be happier. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to find what works for you. And at the end of the day, that's probably a little bit different for everyone. Mm-hmm. There's an analogy I look uh, uses in my book when people say the cup is half full or half empty. Um, I, I call it the, um, the pretty much the law of opposites. When the you fill up a cup with half of water, while the other half is occupied with air, you can't just suck out the air, right? You often have to focus on putting in, you have to just pour more water into it. And I realized when somebody says I'm half negative or half positive, if I'm half positive, that does not make you just have positive. That means you're half negative. In order to be 100% positive, you just have to be 100% positive. So like it or not, if you fill up your cup with half water, unless you fill up to the brim, you're going to have something else taking up the space. So if you just throw money at your problems, you're going to have something in your life that lacks. And in my opinion, it's the balance of the four Fs. Whenever I don't spend enough time on my fitness, I don't have my me time every morning, which is about two to three hours of health, fitness, audiobooks, uh, editing my book. I'm kind of grumpy throughout the day. Whenever I don't have a good seven hours in my office, I'm, I don't feel successful. I don't feel financially accomplished. Whenever I don't have my evening with my family and I play with my kids and I wrestle with them when I put my phone away, I don't feel like I had a good evening. And whenever I don't get enough sleep, of course, right? Your health. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel like you need to recover from the exercise. So when I learned that I need seven hours of sleep, I need seven hours in the office, um, uh, before that three hours to myself, right? Uh, I need uh, seven hours with the family and then they pretty much give me seven hours of sleep. That's my 24 hours. As soon as I balanced out structurally and had a routine, three hours sleep, seven in the office, seven with my family and running chores, right? And also give me seven hours of sleep. I got the happiest knowing I can just stick to that and not worry about anything else. It's all about creating that routine that works for you. Yeah, Yeah. boring routine. (laughs) Hey, but there's a reason it's a routine, you know, it works. (laughs) Exactly. It's like brushing your teeth. (laughs) Yep, yep. You never see immediate results, but give it a year. You will see a lot of results. You'll thank yourself when you go to the dentist. (laughs) Yep, pain of discipline weighs much less than pain of regret. Definitely. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. Chainers, one of Katie's favorite ways to make extra money through a side hustle is with Airbnb. It's a fantastic resource. If you have a spare bed or spare rental property, whatever it is, you may as well be renting that out. You can earn anything from $45 to $150 a night. That's basically the averages that we've seen, but it's a great way to monetize your home and help you earn some additional money. Katie's put together a fantastic course teaching you how to maximize your profile. She runs through everything from the basics of setting up a profile to welcoming your first guests and running multiple businesses. So definitely check it out. The resource is hostingyourpad.com. It's really fantastic and I highly recommend you check it out. All right, Hike. So I know I'm a little bit curious because you seem to really have a lot of 
like your entire life completely on point. What is your saving or retirement plan? What are you kind of doing to establish yourself? Uh, the most boring stuff, and this is stuff, I'm 31. So as you can imagine, I don't have a long history of investing. But, you know, between what my mentors have taught me, um, as a business owner, I get to utilize a thing called Simple uh, or a SEP account, right? Um, I don't have a 401k because I don't work for a large corporation. So I tend to max out my simple account, which is a mutual fund. And I tend to be very aggressive in the mutual fund. As long as I did the math, if I can fund it properly, um, that we should have a few million dollars by the time I'm 67. Now that is not my biggest investment. Um, as you know, I'm an insurance business. I know a lot about how permanent life insurance works. So I put a good amount of money into perm life insurance. I'm all about tax-free retirement. Too many people focus on high earnings now and they build this large pie and they want to give up 35% to the government and government controls how much they want to keep. Right? So I tried to, um, defer taxes as much as I can and I want to be tax-free when I'm older. Now, like it or not, when I have a lot of paid-off real estate when I'm older, I'm going to have to pay taxes on the rental income, so that'll be my hard income when I'm retiring. But right now, I'm really focusing on delaying gratification and not getting too many tax write-offs and putting things into uh, things such as municipal bonds as well as uh, uh, Roth-like vehicles that are going to be tax-free, although they give me less earnings now, but I'd rather take 10, 15% less interest now and avoid 30, 40% taxes when I have uh, a lot of that chunk that I want to pull out. Yep. That totally makes sense. So do you have any other books or podcasts you could recommend? You know, uh, as I mentioned, Michael, um, Michael Sandler, uh, uh, his, his podcast station has taught me a lot of valuable lessons. So I primarily listen to his podcast when I want to find a new book. It's called Inspire Nation. He interviews bestsellers, some I like, some I don't, but I find a lot of good material to read and share with my staff. Uh, Ted has been great as well, short episodes. And this is me speaking from my, um, you know, possibly um, religious side. There's a really good one. They're like really three, four, five minute podcast uh, uh, episodes. They're really short. They discuss a Bible verse and then move on. It's called Christian Quotes. I really enjoy that as well. Very cool. So do you have a favorite quote you try to live by? There is a good quote I came across last year. Um, It says, to live in fear is to be in the past. To, excuse me, to live in fear is to live in future. To live in regret is to live in the past. To live in happiness is to be in the present. And it really got me thinking, and I did some research about this quote. There was a scientist, I, I, I have his link in my book, and he talks about when our mind wonders, it's a direct cause of unhappiness. And about 47% of the time, our mind, our mind is either in the fear of the future or the regret of the past. Could have, should have, would have, right? We relieve mistakes or we're afraid of things that might happen that don't. And he said 90% of fears do not happen. And if you want to be happy, opportunistic, and capture everything, because definition of luck is preparation plus opportunity equals luck, that's always in the moment. When you're in the past or the present or the future, you miss the opportunity in the present. So I really thought about that saying, and every time I caught myself in bad mood, it was because I was either relieving something or I was trying to avoid future fear. But every time I'm in great mood, I'm very present. I love that quote. I can definitely relate to that. I feel like so many people have like what you said that living in the future that fear and like that anxiety and you hear all the time about people talking about how they have this uncontrollable anxiety and they just feel jittery all the time and it hurts like their day-to-day life they have trouble sleeping and keeping relationships and you know being uh, I don't know why I just like mind blanked here 
it, it gets your heart racing in a bad way. Yeah, yeah and I you, totally you get can't it. be productive during your day. And well, do, do, next time you're in, in in bad mood, I want you to really think about where are you with your thoughts. You're right. most likely in the past or the future. You're not present. Present means you're counting your blessings. You're looking at the table. You're paying attention to your breaths. You're thankful for what's happening, not fearful what's not going to happen. Yeah. At my new job, we did a training right in the beginning of the school year, like before the kids came and everything. And we had a coach come in and, and talk to us about like different ways to handle stress and how do you handle stress. And she even said, just taking a couple of deep breaths when you're starting to feel that like tense and anxiety creep mm -hmm. up into your body, just stop, take a couple of breaths. It won't take you any time and you will feel so much better. And that's yeah, true. Uh, when I was a kid, that's what my mom used to tell me to do. Very true. There's a reason why when you hyperventilate, the first thing doctor says is breathe, right? right. Um, our, our, our mind does not obey our commands. Our mind gathers information. And at, at deep breaths, what it does, it just sends information of safety to your mind. Therefore, it causes less uh, serotonin and, and you know, adrenaline going through your veins. And it slows you down because deep breaths really say, hey, there's no tiger behind me. Because a lot of times what happens is whenever a text message comes in or, or we remember something from, from the past or start worrying about the future... Our blood literally gives the same uh, uh, signals to our heart that there's a tiger chasing us. And what does our body do? It prepares us for a sprint. Right. And the, it'll be weird to take deep breaths when there's a tiger, right? You're going to be breathing heavily to try to run away. <laughs> so, so that's why the only way we can actually reverse that is deep breaths is the most simplest and ignored thing out there. And I, I did research and I actually did uh, uh, tie a lot of this research in my book. And it talks specifically about, you know, food, right? You can live without food for about two to three weeks, then you'll die, right? You can live uh, without water two to three days, then you'll die. But you can't live without air more than a few minutes. So why do we practice intentional eating, intentional drinking, but we do not practice intentional breathing, which is more important. Mm -hmm. No, I definitely agree. Yeah, it makes sense. Hike, we've absolutely loved hanging out today. I've got two final questions for you. Firstly, where, where can we find your book? And lastly, do you have some parting piece of advice for our listeners? So the book will be on Amazon. I um, Even though a publisher accepted my book, which was very honoring, I decided to self-publish for multiple reasons, and I can go into my research and hours and hours of content on that, but um, it's going to be on Amazon. I will build the website. Um, I, it's not available yet. I'm just waiting for my um, self-publishing agent to get back to me with the finished information. So within a month, uh, if you're able to just search Mind Control, uh, the book on Amazon, it should come up with the name of a very weird author named Haik Tadevosan. And I can't tell you how long I look forward to being called an author. And for the first time, somebody called me an author in July when they accepted my book. Well, congratulations. Um, yeah, very big props. That's huge. Thank you so much. Um, and, and as far as parting advice, I honestly, th th there's so many different, uh, you know, like one of the advice, one guy, you know, the, when we're having kids, a lot of people want to give us advice. Um, and there's one older gentleman. I remember this was in a, in a men's locker room at the gym, probably the most awkward place to have conversations, right? <laughs> so of course he walks up to me and, and he goes, hey, can I give you two words of advice? Cause he heard me talking about having kids to my friend who was with me. He goes, can I give you a word of advice? Two things. And he's like, what? He's like, get a camera, have a good camera to take pictures. Second one, don't take anybody's advice. <laughs> so one... <laughs> One thing, one thing I learned is often we're too, too caught up in thinking what people might think about our actions. And we're too afraid to take that risk, that step that's going to give us a potential gain. And the gain is always either you fail and learn or you gain and you gain. 
and we become too safe. And what we don't realize, risk-taking, exercising, you know, asking that person out or asking for the job interview, asking for a raise, you know, taking some time off to, to kind of self-reflect and get better. People avoid because they're so comfortable in their comfort zone. If, if my advice may get to any one of your listeners on your station is, is, is stop trying to be so comfortable and get comfortable being uncomfortable. Chain, as we've been hanging out with Haik Tarevosian, you can check out his website. It's haiktarevosian.com and definitely be the lookout for his book. It's going to be available on Amazon. That's Mind Control, 14 Principles of Achieving the American Dream. Chainers, Katie's got a really big question for you guys. So what is it, Katie? Yeah, so I want to know what is the biggest achievement you have made this week? You can either tweet me at Chain of Wealth or you can email me at info at chainofwealth.com. We'll catch you next time, Chainers. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.